Hello again, I'm Jordan Rich, and this marks my 100th podcast. On Mike has hit a milestone, and it's on to 500 and 1,000 from here. Here I feature a weekly conversation with one or more creative people from the world of theater, TV, radio, voiceover, and of course, literature, writing. For my 100th episode, I've chosen a guest who at 96 years old is proving that age is certainly nothing but a number. She didn't start writing until the age of 81, and now Eugenia Lovett West is a published author with rave reviews and fans all over the world. Her novels include mysteries and historical fiction, titles such as The Ancestors Cry Out, Overkill, Without Warning, and her latest, Sarah's War, set in the American Revolution. I can't think of a better guest on my 100th episode than this energetic and creative young writer, Eugenia West. Well, I've interviewed literally hundreds, if not into the thousands of authors. I'm very excited about today's guest. She is Eugenia Lovett West, as mentioned, and she's got a brand new book. We'll talk about that. She's got several other projects that she's completed and more in the in the works. And Eugenia, it's delightful to welcome you to On Mike with Jordan Rich. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, when I found out that you're cranking out these very successful novels at your tender age, I said, I've got to talk to this lady. How old are you this year? I am 96. And that's quite an inspiration to anybody out there listening. Put that in your backpack and store it, folks. 96. Let's talk a little bit about your background before we get to the books. I was reading your bio on your website, and uh, you worked for a bit for Harper's Magazine way back when. What was that all about? Harper's Bazaar. Well, you know, I am part of the... um the Greatest Generation, which is quite relevant, relevant today, uh, as, as we are about to have D-Day. And my husband was a fighter pilot in the 8th Air Force, flying missions over Germany. And uh, it's an interesting thing to be 96 and look back at so much history. But to go back to your your question about Harper's Bazaar, it was just before I was married. I was just between uh, two years of Sarah Lawrence College. And uh, so I went to New York, you know, bright-eyed, and worked a little bit for Harper's Bazaar, a little bit for the Red Cross, then got married at age 20 and, and, uh, to this dashing fighter pilot. So mm. that was my beginning. Now, was writing something that you always aspired to as a young person prior to even getting into the Harper's world or what? Um, not really. Not really. I didn't really start um, seriously writing until my youngest child was in school all day. And then I, um, I, I freelanced for a couple of local newspapers in New Jersey, you know, felt very, you know, dashed around with my Nikon camera and did uh, articles, actually covered political conventions, things like that. But like a lot of um, journalists, you sort of think, well, maybe why 300 words? Why not 300 pages? And <laughs> the first novel I wrote was absolute trash. And, and, but the second one, um, The Ancestors Cry Out, was picked up by Doubleday. So that was sort of my start of my writing career. I didn't start until I was, you know, way into my 40s. Right. I, I've got to ask you about the contest part of this, because this sounds like a Hollywood story when you send something in for a writing contest, and finally something clicked. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. 
I um, if I were giving advice to young authors, I would say it's a little dangerous to switch genres. So I switched from from history to uh, mystery, and I self published this uh, this book. It was then called Script, and <laughs> and I sent it to um, a contest that St. Martin's Press puts on called Malice Domestic, and didn't expect to hear anything. But one of the judges liked it and sent it to um, St. Martin's Press Grand Dame Mystery Editor, Ruth Cabin, and she picked up on it, and I was sitting at my computer one morning, opened it up, and here was this invitation from St. Martin's Press's Ruth Cabin for two for a contract for two mysteries. Well, you know, almost levitated up to the ceiling. For struggling writers, it doesn't get any any better than that. Your young success, you start cooking in your 80s, these books really starting to flourish. When one writes a book, there's so much research and fact-finding and editing, self-editing and so forth. Sounds like you were prepared, though, for this. You you had a background in writing and enough curiosity to get this done. Am I correct? For Sarah's War, you mean the current one? I'm talking for any of them because writing a book, I'm told, is like birthing a baby, though I would not know what that feels like. <laughs> Well, it is, you know, you sort of work and work and work and it pops out <laughs> finally. Um, you have to have the compulsion to give it time, uh, Jordan. You have to find your style and that takes usually, unless you're, unless you're extremely talented, that takes a millions of words to find your particular voice or your style. Training in, in, in writing for newspapers is really good training because you do find facts and you shorten your sentences. You Mm. don't go too much for the adverbs and the adjectives. So I think that helped me a lot. And and then I got so intrigued with the um, period of the American Revolution and the war for independence that I just became totally obsessed by it. Well, you said at the beginning of our chat, Eugenia, that you've lived history and you certainly have, God bless you, 96, and seeing through the wars and, and the troubles, tribulations and challenges and victories through the uh, the last several decades. Did that help when you're writing a book like, like the new one, uh, Sarah's War, or any of the books, having that life experience? Well, I think most writers would say that they have to uh, have experienced what they're in some ways it's it's a combination of imagination and experience um in my mysteries i take my heroine emma street to a lot of different countries countries well i because i traveled a lot with my husband who was a a ceo of, of important company um you know we went to places and i would take notes and so a lot of that sort of comes filtered yeah. back into books. Yeah, well, you're a good reporter. You've got an eye for detail, and that helps. And you mentioned Emma Street. Let's talk a little bit about this character. She comes from the opera world, and now she's solving crimes. Tell us a bit more about where you came up with her and how, if you will. Well, I mean, it, obviously, you have to have a, a, a mystery. You have to have uh, a, a, a leading a protagonist. And um, I sort of lean towards always seem to lean towards strong women who are working their way through through problems. And Emma certainly works her way through myriad disasters, both both romantic and, and dangerous situations. And, um, and I've just come to love her. She's, she's 
48. She's good looking. She was lost. She her, she was a, started out as a as a diva, you know, a rising opera star, and had the, lost her voice. Had an operation. Married has two children that are boys now in college. Loses her husband, and that starts her on this career. And she's sort of the go-to person in her family for when crises arrive. So that's how uh, that works. And her, the third Emma is coming out in November. It's going to be published in November. So I'm still, I know by now, Jordan, I know Emma better than I know my <laughs> own children. I, I'm you know? sure you do, because you've brought this character to life. And also, I, I would imagine you've got a very active social media, a beautiful website that we'll announce again. I would imagine your fans are anxious to see what's coming for Emma. Do you hear from readers often about their thoughts on the novels and where you're going? Not as often as I'd like, because um, all the time I was writing, I was also having a very busy life. Bringing up four children, I had a very busy husband working his way up to success. Um, I did volunteer work. I think many writers today, particularly with with um, with all the tool, new tools that you can use, they, they build up a fan base. They have their, um, you know, their Facebook by the thousand you know, people. And I never did any of that. So uh, which is a great mistake, I think. Never too uh, late, by the way. And you're on a podcast, which is current technology. So I have a feeling through things like this, you'll get even more people excited about it. But Oh, I hope so. I love uh, mysteries, and I also love the idea of book clubs. I know a lot of people are probably reading your books and book clubs. And uh, nowadays, they can they can literally talk back to the author through some of these channels. I was just wondering how active that was. So I'm going to give you an assignment to uh, beef up your social media pages so that you can hear what people are saying. I'm sure they're very, very complimentary. So let's talk about the latest book, because this is a departure a bit. It's a historical novel, and it takes place during the Revolutionary Period. Tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to go in this direction. I can tell you really very easily. I was reading, happened to be reading um, a nonfiction historical book, and uh, I read about this winter of 1777 during the war, of course, it was the winter that Washington was at Valley Forge, you know, bleeding feet in the snow, their militia deserting or, or desperately ill. But at the same time, in Philadelphia, where the British were having were winter, quarter, winter quarters in Philadelphia, these British officers, young, young ones, were living it up. You wouldn't believe, you know, the cockfights, the... the Fancy parties, the balls, you know, turning the heads of the little loyalist girls like Peggy Shippen. The contrast was so incredible. A farewell party for General Sir William Howe. It cost thousands of pounds and was based on a, a, a an old-fashioned tournament with the Knights of the Burning Rose, you know, and followed by a ball and fireworks. I thought, this was happening in colonial America? Mm. And it, it, it just intrigued me so much that I've spent years, you know, really researching that period and coming out finally with, with, with Sarah's war. You know, strong women characters, that's your your thing, that's your stamp. And 
we're lucky we're living in the era we are because finally women are getting their due, not only in the comic books, but also in novels and film and television. It must be gratifying to to see this change that women can star, quote unquote, in their own big story. It's very gratifying. It's very gratifying. Again, pushing the old age card, my generation, my group of friends, none of us, practically none of us had careers except for marriage and children. And now my daughters and daughters-in-law, you know, everybody's busy doing something interesting. Indeed, indeed. Let me refer to an article that you have posted on your website from AARP magazine, I believe. And you're one of several outstanding people featured in this article. And it has to do with creativity at an older age. Do you think that really it's proven itself out in terms of your quick wit and your ability to write, that you kept doing it, that you kept at it, and here you are, 96 going strong? I think I've been very lucky in many ways. I mean, I have reasonably good health. I don't feel 96. I color my hair. I do push-ups. And I get up in the morning, and I, with the, with the urge to keep keep creating, and I call that I call that luck. I think it's great that you're curious and and interested in things, as I am a, a slightly younger fellow than you are. But I think that's the key. I think it's always reaching out to learn more and create more. And boy, have you uh, taken that to the next level, Eugenia? I, I credit you for that. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, when you uh, the only thing about being 96 is that you have to be realistic and realize that every day is a gift. You, you could fall on the ice tomorrow and that would be kind of difficult to go on with the career after that. And uh, the, the maintenance is like maintaining an old car. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you have to spend two, well, I was going to use a swear word, which I won't. You have to spend too much time on maintenance, you know, keeping right. this old car on the road. But other than that, other than that, uh, those are the downsides. As I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about the books and how successful they are and just the titles, Overkill, Without Warning. You write violence because you need to in things like this. You write adventure. You write a little capital R romance. So you're pretty hip. You're keeping up with the the latest "Quote unquote trends, aren't you?" <laughs> well, one, yes, yes, definitely, and and I rely on my on my daughters to uh, uh, keep me really, really up to, to uh, the latest mm. trends. Well, and are... my and my grand and my grandchildren too. I mean, I, <laughs> without them, I might I might uh, not be quite as up on a few things. Well, believe me, I, I'm the same way. I have to rely on my kids and grandkids and, and young'uns, but uh, they still come to me as they surely come to you for advice, friendship, love, and warmth, and all that, and great stories. Let me ask you another interesting question that I've always asked other authors, and that is, who do you read, and who has influenced you? Who do you just like to read for fun? That kind of thing. Hmm. That's pretty hard. Um, right now, what am I reading? I'm reading a book about Robert Morris, who was the financier uh, during the uh, War for Independence. Fascinating book, learning so much. Um, so I read quite a bit of nonfiction. I go back to some of the old ones, like Galsworthy, mm-hmm. and uh, I-, I loved I loved The Coming by Michelle Obama. Uh, a-, a sort of a, a 
miscellaneous, I think. Well, there's nothing wrong with being all-purpose miscellaneous and then having a full range of interests. I think your influences are very powerful (laughs) because you're writing some great stuff. So the next one, uh, Sarah's War is out now, available on Amazon and all sites. The next one features Miss Street, spelled S-T-R-E-A-T, and she's in another adventure. Can we say where she's going to end up? What part of the world? (laughs) Jordan, she is going to start out in Boston. She's going to be going to New York. She's going to be going to France, Paris, um, the south of France. Well, a little south of Paris, rather. She's going to be going to, uh, she's going to go a lot of time in Florence, Italy. She's going to Ireland. She's going to end up in Switzerland. Wow. So, and, and the subplot, which you know, I'm a, is a little out of my depth, but I tr- I'm doing it anyhow, is cybercrime. <laughs> she's gotten mixed up in a bad, bad, wow. you know, network or or individual, and uh, it's going to cause a lot of trouble. But she's on the case, so we we can rest easy. And by the way, a lot of frequent flyer miles there, Eugenia. My goodness. Your characters are uh, crisscrossing the the world. Unbelievable globetrotting. (laughs) Well, globetrotting, and I have to admit, I shouldn't perhaps, that I like to write about high-end people. In this book, I don't think she sets foot on a commercial flight. It's all private jets. But interesting people uh, in the art world. She has a godmother, Caroline, who is a sort of a social star in New York who's in her 80s now. And um, and, Car- and Caroline sort of brings her into this, although Emma herself is not a jet setter at all. But she gets she gets involved in that world, and uh, <laughs> so so she she as you say she has travel she puts in travel miles in this book. Oh, that's great. Well, we're thrilled to meet you here on the podcast and to spread the good word. Your website is your name spelled E U G E N I A. Love it. L O V E T T West W E S T. Eugenia Lovett dot com. I want everyone to go out there and read these books and keep reading these books because there are more to come. It's just delightful to meet you, my dear. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, that was fun. My thanks to Eugenia for joining me on my 100th podcast. So grateful to those of you who choose to download and listen to On Mike with Jordan Rich. We're on all podcast platforms, and we continue to add to the audience every week. You can find out more at my website, chartproductions.com, C-H-A-R-T productions.com. Chart is where the podcast is produced. So special thanks to my colleagues, Ken Carberry and the wonderful Dan Tebow, both of whom support me with their technical know-how and friendship. Hey, I'm up for another several hundred of these podcasts. Would you like to come along for the ride? You're certainly invited. Till next time, this is Jordan Rich saying, be well so you can do good.